This is Ramsey Radio, the farming and farm machinery podcast from Ramsey Brothers, partnering farmers since 1950. Hello and welcome to Ramsey Radio. I'm your host, Tim Glover, and I hope you're ready for a very interesting and positive discussion today about setting up your farm for the future. My guest is Nick Goddard, CEO of the Australian Oilseed Federation, which has also established Sustainable Grains Australia. Nick, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Tim. Absolute pleasure. Nick, the Australian Oilseed Federation is obviously important for canola growers, but it's also established Sustainable Grain Australia to facilitate the International Sustainability and Carbon Certification Scheme for a much wider range of Australian grains. Give us a little bit of an insight into uh, why that's come about. Sure, Tim. We'll do. I'll, go, I'll give a little bit of background, and many South Australian canola farmers will be well aware of this. So in order to supply our number one market, which is which is the European market with canola, we have to be able to certify that it's sustainable. And the reason for that is that it's going to Europe for biodiesel. Even though we grow great canola, rich fatty acids, really healthy for the human diet, most of it's going into gas-guzzling um, diesel engines in, in Europe, which is great because they pay a premium for it and, uh, and we benefit from it. The uh, the thing is that what the European Union wants to make sure is we're not chopping down rainforests, uh, we're not killing orangutans, we're not doing things to supply uh, vegetable oil to the biodiesel industry. So therefore, they require that the feedstock for biodiesel be certified as sustainable. One of the things I wanted to talk about, Nick, is that farmers are on the front line of climate change and its day-to-day impacts. From your perspective, there's more to sustainability than just managing the farm's greenhouse gas emissions. Um, talk us through you know, where the Federation is with that topic. The ISCC scheme is based around six principles, and uh, it's, those, it's those principles that underpin the, the, the scheme. And the first one and, the, and sort of the top of the pyramid is all around land use and uh, ensuring that the land on which the, the feedstock, in this case canola, is grown, um, is done in a responsible and uh, in a manner that uh, hasn't harmed the environment. So essentially, in, in shorthand, we haven't chopped down rainforests, et cetera, to grow this canola. And obviously in Australia, that's that's never been the case. Um, but the other principles that follow on around, uh, are around good farming practice. So you can imagine that some of the feedstocks going into Europe would be coming from village environments in uh, Southeast Asia or in, um, in Africa, um, South America, where workers may not be treated as, as fairly and as, as appropriately as they are in Australia. So there are, there are conditions around workers' safety, health and safety, and, and ensuring that things like international labour organisation treaties are observed. Then there are things around um, good practice use of chemicals, making basically good agricultural practice, making sure that chemical use is, is documented, um, workers are wearing PPE, chemicals are stored the right way. Basically, all the things that go into making good farming. Now, Australia meets these criteria without having to try too hard, which is great. Um, and that's that's why we've become one of the, the major suppliers of feedstock into Europe. And I guess Australian farmers are ahead of the game, I guess. It is one of those things that um, has almost become a way of life. And having this certification process in place just reaffirms what we've been doing for a long time, I guess, in, in many instances anyway. That's right. It's, it's been what we've got. And it's also providing a bit of a, a roadmap for where we might need to go in the future or where we should be going in the future, because what we do know is that sustainability is not going to go away. What's driving this is actually a community sentiment around sustainability. What I should really say is in terms of biodiesel, it's actually governed by legislation. 
But when you look at sustainability in a broader sense, it's really being driven by people who shop in supermarkets for their products, wanting to make sure that the supply chain is is doing the right thing. And we've seen this with cocoa and coffee for the last couple of decades, but now it's moving into broader food and specifically, as far as we're concerned, it's moving into grain. So we're starting to see now brewers, for example, they're looking for certified sustainable sources of barley and of hops and of yeast um, to make sure that they can, so that so they meet their consumers' needs to say, yeah, this beer is grown sustainably. We're seeing companies like Quaker Oats wanting to make sure that the oats that go into their, their oat products can be sourced in a sustainable manner. So they're seeking certified sustainable oats. Um, we've got a pasta manufacturer in South Australia that's very interested in sourcing certified sustainable wheat. So we're starting to see the food industry, the food and beverage industry, now starting to broaden the the role of sustainability and the way it's impacting us as a grains industry is um, providing us the opportunity to supply on the world market certified sustainable wheat, barley, uh, obviously canola, um, oats, you know, and so it goes on. And I think the the uh, the big thing there is is we're always market driven. Um, you know, it, it's we have to react. Um, so. For a fairly modest investment, you can possibly a few practical changes. What actually does a farmer get out of certification? Interestingly, and it's just a quirk of history, but actually the farmer doesn't pay for this certification scheme. I know they do in some if you're in the livestock industry. I think if you want to be certified to supply you know, various livestock products into the market. The way that this has developed over time, it's the traders. Um, it's the Viteras, it's the Grain Corps, it's the CBHs of the world that have paid, that, are, that have funded this program to, to enable ISCC certification. And the major cost there is around the audits. So the grower doesn't, doesn't actually pay for this, but that's not to say the grower gets off scot-free because the grower obviously has to firstly comply with all the requirements and secondly, has to be prepared to undertake an audit. And what an audit means in a, in a non-COVID time anyway is that the auditor comes and physically visits the farm and um, checks that everything the, the, the grower has said that he does, he actually does. Now, the way that's been happening during COVID is actually through working remotely, um, so there doesn't need to be auditor to physically travel to the farm. But what, what happens at the start of the process is a grower, I talked about those six principles, a grower really goes through a, a declaration on the NGR that says, yeah, I'm complying with all of these six criteria Yes, I haven't knocked down any rainforests. I'm using good agricultural product. I look after my workers, etc. And then the auditor comes along and says, "Okay, you've said that you don't, you know, that you're looking after the land. Show me the fact that you actually own this land, or that you've got permission to to rent, to share farm on this land, etc." And the auditor is looking for uh, evidence to support the claims that are made from the growers. So while there's no financial cost to growers, certainly growers have got to be able to be prepared to to demonstrate that they're they're farming in a sustainable manner. The order takes maybe 40 minutes to an hour, so it's not that onerous. And, and you know, particularly if you've got software systems that, that you use in your farming system, then you've got all that stuff at your fingertips, your spray records, your employment records, all those sort of things. The auditor doesn't want to see any financial information. He's sort of interested, one of the things you're interested in is do you have a business plan? No, don't have a business plan. Okay, but what, what can you do to show me that you're actually in this for the long term? Well, I do a crop rotation. Um, you know, I've got a plan for the next five years that we're going to do this, that and the other. So but that, that sort of evidence that you're in this for the long haul, you're not just in there overnight. You know, your chemical shed, what does that look like? Um, can I just have a quick squizzy at it? Yep, okay, that meets the requirements or, um, okay, look, I think, you know, a, a piece of corrugated iron over the, the drums, that's probably not really meeting um, either South Australian regulations or, or even national regulations around storage of chemicals. 
And, you know, the sort of that, that happens rarely, but the sort of feedback we get is, you know what, I've been meaning to fix that up for some time now. You've just given me a kick in the ass and I'll do it. And I guess when it's all said and done, Nick, you know, we really are talking about um, people just working with good business practices. Absolutely. That's exactly what it is. I mean, I think the grains industry has been pretty lucky in that it hasn't really had a close scrutiny over, over time. If you were supplying lettuces to McDonald's, for example, or or um, lettuces to Woolworths, you'd, you'd be scrutinised pretty tightly. The grains industry, because we're often supplying products that aren't eaten directly, they get further further milled and processed, hasn't had that scrutiny. And yet, um, the th- sort of things we've just been talking about, like your chemicals, sheds, your, your PPE, that's all good standard business practice. If you were running a food processing company, you wouldn't be storing your chemicals down the back corner of a piece of shed, a uh, piece of um, galvanised iron. You'd be, you know, you'd have a proper as, as they do for, for cleaning products, et cetera. So I think while, while Australian growers have been excellent in terms of what they've been able to achieve in terms of productivity, we're really moving it up to where community expectations are and where, in fact, business expectations are. You know, businesses these days expected to operate um, safely and um, with the best interests of, of the community and the society and, and also to remain viable. And that's really what sustainability is all about, isn't it? It's about being socially, environmentally, but also economically viable into the future. Absolutely, no doubt. If you take those things and those points out of that certification process and those pillars and refer it back to what we're talking about, you know, good business practice. With the value involved now, you know, we are at a level where we are hugely professional. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. And and I think one of the things around the sustainability schemes, the ISCC, it actually puts Australian farmers up on a pedestal on a world basis. So, because um, the thing to, to, to remember, it's actually not the crop that, certified it's the farm so we're not saying that we're growing canola sustainable we are saying that but basically what we're saying is that this farm is operating in a sustainable manner yeah and, the product um, that comes out of it has been grown in that sustainable way yeah yeah so it's across whether you're growing quinoa or mung beans or whatever it is if, if your farm is certified everything coming out of it is is certified which is great Throw a contentious one, Rob, or potentially a slight contentious one, and we've, we've discussed this topic a couple of times in various episodes. You know, obviously that certification process, given what we've seen in the last couple of years with, uh, and I'm not going to go to specific markets, but there's been some specific regions of markets that have um, potentially suggested that we might put some tariffs on Australian grains and that sort of stuff. In your uh, in your position as the CEO, um you know, surely we've seen some wins and some opportunities in other markets globally that have taken up that slack. And we know that, uh, you know, we haven't been stuck with a surplus of grain, but surely this certification process has helped us immensely in, in, in I guess, what we could have been looking at as really tumultuous times when, um, you know, when that all went down. Yeah, no, ab- absolutely. And I think the fact the fact that we've been able to find new markets for barley, I mean, it's really driven the traders and the exporters to say, well, what are we going to do with all this stuff? And they've actually been able to push and develop new markets. Barley into Mexico, for example. Um, you know, that's a that's that's who'd have thought we'd be exporting barley to Mexico, uh, exporting oats to to North America. You know, they, they, because uh, both because they're certified. So I think it, it does open doors for us, absolutely. And I guess the other thing that we need to touch on, Nick, what are the alternative markets for uncertified grain lot? Yeah, no, look, I think that that's a really good point, Tim, because not everybody wants to go through the process of certification. So if we look at if we look at um, you know, some of our more traditional markets for canola, for example, you know, markets like Bangladesh, which is growing growing quite well for canola market, Nepal, Pakistan, I think we're about to ship some canola even to North America, believe it or not. 
Um, so th there are always opportunities in outlets for grain that's that's not certified. The domestic crushers, some domestic crushers are actually chasing certified because they, for whatever reason, maybe their margarine manufacturers or their person, people down the supply chain are wanting certified sustainable, but they're not all wanting that. So again, the domestic crusher is also one. I'm talking canola here specifically. Obviously, when it comes to oats, the market's quite broad there. So there are some chasing certified sustainable oats and, and some that are not. That for whom that's not important to them at this stage. Similarly with um, malting barley, uh, some brewers, yep, absolutely. It's, it's If you want to play in the game, you've got to be there. Um, but others, you know, at this stage, that's not part of their, their marketing mix. So there's always opportunities for both. You're listening to Ramsey Radio, and we're talking to Nick Goddard, CEO of Sustainable Grain Australia, about the International Sustainability and Carbon Certification Scheme in Australia. We need to take a short break, but when we come back, we'll be talking about how to obtain and maintain that certified status. So don't go away. We'll be back shortly. Bednar Terraland TO, the name to remember for soil renovation. Exclusively available through Ramsey Brothers, why settle for a machine that works on one dimension? Do more in one pass. Increase oxygen supply and remove hard pans. Mix and combine topsoil for better structure and nutrient availability. Increase root growth and microbial activity and improve moisture retention. Bednar Terraland TO, it's a ripper. Call Ramsey Brothers for more. Ramsey Brothers, partnering farmers since 1950. Welcome back to Ramsey Radio and our chat with Sustainable Grain Australia CEO Nick Goddard about the ins and outs of sustainability certification for South Australian growers. Nick, the certification really comes down to the business basics, I guess, of listening to your customers and delivering the product they want. In your opinion, are we on the money with that? Oh, absolutely. This, this is very much market-driven. Um, and uh, when, the, when the market is calling for anything, whether it's a particular variety of wheat or it's, it's a particular uh, splitting function of chickpeas or whether it's a certified sustainable grain, then the, the markets, really, we as the producers have got to really respond. Absolutely. And and we don't want to consider this to be a fad. It actually is an educated understanding now by the end user in a lot of cases that um, I think we're all pretty confident saying it's not going to go away. It's going to continue to be there. Yeah, look, I think we've only got to look at cocoa and coffee that we were talking about before. You know, that's been going now for 20 years and you don't pick up a chocolate bar somewhere that doesn't say on there, you know, sustainably sourced cocoa or I think there's a particular logo or something they use for that. But the train has left the station and uh, we can't stop it. The obvious question comes back, and, and I guess we touched on it a little bit, but surely there's plenty of stories of, of how farmers have actually found how the certification process helps them run their business uh, better and possibly helps them understand a little bit more what they can do for climate sustainability also. Yeah, I think what it's, what it's also doing is also connecting the grower to the market a lot more. Um, you know, you're no longer just harvesting canola to put into a bin and it, it disappears out the gate and that's the last you see of it. Because you're going through the certification scheme, you actually know that that canola is going to biodiesel in Europe. And then when you read a story in the paper about a biodiesel um, policy change in, in Europe, you might actually read that, whereas you wouldn't otherwise. Similarly, you know, if you're growing oats for, for Quakers, uh, near past, past the oats might have just gone whoosh, out the back, you know, at the gate. But now you've actually got an interest because, you know, well, these are certified because the market's wanting that. So I think it's, it's actually connecting growers much more to the market, which is a great thing. Yeah, no question. So let's get to the crux of it. So how does the certification work for the farmer, um, starting with if they're not involved with it now, how do they sign on to the scheme? 
Okay, look, it's 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 usually at the request of the person who's buying the grain from them, so the marketer that's coming to them saying, look, um, give you the option of, of certified sustainable. They may or may not provide a premium for that, depending on what the market's doing at the time. But if the grower says, yeah, look, I, I think I can I can do that, then the grower goes onto the NGR website, um, the National Grower Register, and on there is actually the self-declaration where they make a self-declaration across those six principles that I talked about before, and they're really saying there, um, yep, I'm doing this, I'm meeting this requirement, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And there's a there's a, a, a number of checklists that we make available on the AOF website that help growers navigate that process so that they're not just ticking boxes, yes, 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 they're really understanding what it is behind it. And they're not too onerous, but we do have the checklists there, which is great. So they go to the NGR, they do that, that that then creates what's called a self-declaration. And then they're able they're, able to trade that grain as certified sustainable in the knowledge that they could be audited over the next 12 months to validate that 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 that, that self-declaration and the claims the that they've made there actually um hold up fantastic now i want to clarify for the listeners and we will uh We'll put it out with the uh, the social posts that come out with it. But the website you're referring to is uh, www.australianoilseeds.com. That's the one, yep. And up the yep. end, uh, the, one of the last tabs there is ISCC certification. So obviously a really good spot to um, even uh, for anyone listening to this uh, episode, if they haven't already become certified and, and really want to find out uh, some questions or some answers, sorry, to questions they may have, obviously a good spot to go and have a little bit of a browse through and understand what um, what it is that they may need to be looking at. Absolutely. And if you've still got some questions, then by all means, give me a call. There are a couple of phone numbers on, on the documents there uh, on the website. So give me a call and we can talk it through. Fantastic. So Nick, sounds like a win, win, win. Uh, is it too good to be true? <laughs> well, it's been going now for 10, 10, 10 11, 11 years um, for South Australian growers supplying the European market with canola, certified sustainable canola. So I guess proof of the pudding is in the history there that um, we've been able to do it uh, successfully. South Australian growers have contributed to that process over that length of time. I should have outlined at the start, actually, Tim. So th- while this has been going on for you know a decade or more, what the AOF did was actually bring it under one umbrella. I should have explained that clearly. So the, the main change is that in the past, you had all the different traders, the Viterras, the Grain Corps, the ADMs, the Bungies, et cetera, all dealing with the growers individually. Uh, and that worked quite well, but it wasn't the most efficient way of doing it. So there were more audits being done. Uh, there was a, there was the chance of being audited more than once. If you traded with Bungie and ADM, you might have got audited twice. So what the AOF did was brought it all under the one umbrella, uh, and that really just simplifies the whole process. There's one set of documentation the grower has to know about, one common point of contact, that being the AOF, um, one common grower declaration, that's through the NGR. So I think what the Sustainable Grain Australia process is 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 simplifying that and bringing it all under one umbrella, which reduces the complexity for growers and also reduces the cost for the whole scheme. And I guess the other side of that is it also uh, underpins the consistency across the board. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think one of the things that might have happened in the past is that just mixed messages coming from the different exporters. Now, they're all working with the same scheme, but the interpretation of it probably meant the, the information was landing differently with different growers. Now there's one single message being delivered. It's crystal clear. Absolutely. And the big thing is we've certainly seen it expand from oil seeds and tallows to now be covering your barleys, your wheats and other products as well. So, Yep. And as I've said, you know, this has been drawn from the market. We're, we're not out there flogging this. There's nothing in it for us, actually, other than simplifying simplifying the process. 
what's made it work is the market has been knocking on the door. The multinational companies have been saying, we want this agricultural input sustainable. And, you know, through the ISCC program and then through Sustainable Grain Australia as a means to do that, we've been able to deliver that uh, efficiently, consistently and um, cost effectively. Now, Nick, I'm just host of a podcast, but I think uh, conclusion to be fair to say that it's going to become more important and prominent as we move forward, you know, and we're going to see more and more demand from more markets and for more products, certainly from the international buyers to domestic supermarkets. So, um, you know, if you haven't uh, dipped your toe in the water, the advice would be at least jump onto the website and have a little bit of a read up and then uh, and then move forward from there. But certainly something we're going to see, I would think, that's going to become uh, dare I use the word critical, but uh, it's going to become uh, to that point, I would think, uh, you know, over the next decade. I, I think it's actually becoming a cost of entry, you know, for better or for worse. Um, but it's cost, it has for some time now. If you want to supply biodiesel feedstocks to Europe, you either certify it or you don't supply. And I think starting to see that now in the brewing industry. If you want to supply some of the big brewers, you either certify or you don't supply. So it's becoming a cost of entry. Uh, I think the key thing is actually is that the cost doesn't fall onto the growers and and it's raising that you know a high tide rises every ship um and we're seeing you know all the australian growers now um reaching these sort of these these high standards set by iscc nick uh really really appreciate you taking the time and coming on uh, ramsey radio uh, and certainly filling us in and having those open discussions about the certification process and the part that it can play uh, on everyone's farms Terrific, absolute pleasure, Tim, and um, any time I'm happy to, to come back and talk it through some more. Thank you, and uh, thanks to you, our listeners, for joining myself and Nick Goddard today. If you're interested in learning more about sustainability, jump online at australianoilseeds.com and follow the links as we talked about before. And remember, as always, to share this podcast with your friends and neighbours, leaving us a rating, and find all our other Ramsey Radio episodes on your favourite podcast app. If you've got something you want us to talk about or you've got a guest that you'd love us to get on, please shoot us a message uh, and let us know. Uh, I'm Tim Glover. I'll be back soon with another episode. As I always say, stay safe and we'll talk soon. You've been listening to Ramsey Radio, brought to you by Ramsey Brothers. Find this and all our podcasts on your preferred podcast app or on our website at ramseybros.com.au. 